On this episode of the Hustle of the Day podcast, I have Ethan Day Abreu. Ethan is many things. He is a young man who is an author, an accountant, and a sponsored athlete, and just a guy who has his head on straight and understands the long-term ramifications of what he does. I think you're going to like this one. Let's jump into it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle of the Day podcast. My name is Trent. Super excited to have Ethan Day Abreu here. Ethan, you are a young guy. You've got a lot going for you already. Why don't you jump in here? Tell my audience a little bit about yourself. Well, hey, Trent. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm honored to be here, and I hope I can provide your audience some value today. So a little bit about me is that I'm 24. I was out of college with my bachelor's degree in accounting and I started having what I refer to as a quarter life crisis because uh, <laughs> I was 21 working in private uh, public accounting at the time and I was just completely exhausted. <laughs> I, I didn't understand why I decided to take this path to go here because you know, I, I just didn't find any enjoyment in my work. And I was trying to understand, I was like, you know, take some perspective, Ethan, like, this is the time for you. It's like, this is something that you worked for for four years, you know, people would kill to be in this position, just out of college, having a full time job. That's, that's the dream, you know, and then to me, I just felt like I was in a nightmare. I, I looked around my office, and I had a senior accountant, and he was supposed to be my mentor. He was only a few years older than me, and he was losing all his hair from stress. He's sending emails out at one o'clock in the morning. And when I would go to him for advice, when I would see things that I didn't agree with, he just told me, he's like, look, you got to stop asking so many questions and you got to start kissing more ass if you want to move up. And that just never sat right with me and it never will sit right with me. And I just, I decided to take a moment to look at my life and see what I really wanted. And I have a passion for writing. And beyond that, I think I have a skill for writing and I have a skill for communication, both with public speaking and with written words. And that's what I wanted to pursue. So I had a platform on Medium and I started blogging there. I immediately gained an audience. I rose to become one of the top writers in uh, the inspiration category. And then my friends and close family, everyone just kept asking me the same questions. Like, why are you writing articles? write a book. And, you know, it just was such a Goliath of a task to just look at from the outside for so long. It's just like, write a book. It's like, wow, like, that's a lot. You know, it's like, I'm not sure if I'm ready. And, you know, we all, we all kind of do that, right? We all kind of push ourselves off to the side and say, we're not ready for this opportunity. But, you know, maybe if everyone around you is thinking that you are, you should, you should listen. You should take some perspective, focus on it and move. And that's exactly what I did. I was like, Who's to say I'm not ready? Like, what age am I wise enough or knowledgeable enough to write a book? I'm like, I'm like, age is not wisdom, experience is wisdom. And like, everyone has experiences that they can share and share with others to give value to them. I'm like, it, you would have to be a very selfish person to not be able to draw value from the experiences of another person. So I just entitled my book, uh, The Ink of My Soul and the Fire in My Bones. And that's what that book is. It's just everything. It's, it is the darkest moments of my life, but all of that darkness is just, it's defeated by the burning fire inside of me. And it's just the fire in my bones. I just, I got getting hotter and hotter and hotter until I was finally out of the darkness. And I was finally in the place where I wanted to be. And that's what I try to teach 
to people that read my book or listen to my podcast. It's just that through self-accountability, discipline, focus, tenacity, you can get out of that same darkness and make something better for yourself. And I, I continue to contribute that exact same message with my podcast, Strength of the Pack. That is crazy. Like the, just the, the whole story, you know, I did some research before talking to you and it's like, man, this is, this guy just thinks so deep and just on a different level for, you know, a 24 year old or 22 when you wrote your book. I mean, like, that's just, it's crazy. But I can see where you're coming from when you look at your senior that's telling you, don't ask questions. Like who, who says that? Like, that's, that's just not the way to go about life. You know, you need to be asking questions. You need to be understanding and experiencing things. And you've figured that out. And at such a young age, you're like, you want, I'm writing this down. I'm putting this to, you know, pen to paper, which is awesome. Um, I want to talk about your book a little bit. Um, you know, like you mentioned that, uh, it's really about what you get out of these experiences. Um, did you have any detractors saying, you know, why am I going to read this book by a 22 year old fresh out of college that thinks he understands life? Oh yeah. All, all the time. Like, you know, even <laughs> it's so, it's so sad, honestly, because even like your family will like put down your ideas at the times and your close friends. It was funny. I, I had someone that I used to work with at one of my jobs and, he'd always strike up conversations with me that I never wanted to have. And uh, I would just call him devil Dave because he always played devil's advocate. So every time I tell him I'm doing something or I tell him about something positive that was going on in my life, he'd play devil's advocate and, and turn it to the other side and turn it the most cynical light. And it's like you make assumptions about people without even doing the minimal amount of research to have a basis for your opinion. And, you know, he made assumptions about me and he was like, you probably grew up without any struggle at all. And, you know, your parents probably gave you everything and you probably lived this cushy little life. So it's like, so what do you know? And, you know, like, it's, it's sad that like someone just makes that assumption of you based off of nothing. And then I had friends read my book and they said, you know, Ethan, you, you write with like too intense of like a vocabulary and like people don't really read anymore. So it's like, you know, I, I think you might isolate a lot of your audience based off of how you write. And I'm like, this is so silly. I'm like so many people read and like, so people can draw value from my book and they have like, I've been surprised over and over again. Like one of the most surprising things that happened to me was on Amazon, another author who I didn't even know, just picked up my book completely at random, read it and left me like this heart touching like review about how she was so inspired by my story. And she was, she's in her sixties actually. And it's just like, wow. So it really goes to show it's just that age doesn't matter. It's just experience. It's just your ability to tell a story and your ability to be genuine and honest. Like I had no ulterior motives with writing my book except from helping other people as well as helping myself understand myself better and develop. So, you know, when I'm met with that criticism, it doesn't really bother me because it's just not my target audience. If you're giving me that criticism, you're not the person I'm trying to reach because you're just not ready for what I wrote. But if you're, you know, someone my age, you're millennial, right? Like we have all these books written in the personal development field, but not many like young millennials writing these books. It's always someone who's much older, who has a different perspective on life. 
and like they're they're running another one of those 40 principles and 10 laws and you know 60 game plans and like i i personally don't like those kind of books because i feel like a lot of times they lack the depth to really make a connection with another person and with my book that's that's not what i do at all like each one of my chapters is just a piece of my soul that's like in that chapter and it just everything honesty and i i talk about really difficult things you know like i grew up basically in poverty for most of my life and my father was you know he was an abuser in my family to my mother physically to me mostly mentally and you know just growing up in those kind of circumstances and battling with self-worth and all that through most of my life is really what pushed me because I could have very easily decided to just roll over and believe what everyone else was telling me. But innately, I just always had this voice of rebellion in the back of my mind telling me, this doesn't make sense. You know, like you need to question what's being told to you right now. It's like, are you really stupid? I'm like, no, you're not, right? Like your your grades disagree, <laughs> you know, with your your father's responses and your father's criticisms of you. It's like, like you're not dumb. I'm like, you're capable of doing things. And that's something I had to fight for a long time. And it just, I finally realized it. I'm like, you know, I can't do it. I can't do it. And like for a long time in my life, I was living to prove other people wrong. You know, like that was the worst thing you could, you could do to me. You know, and I'd always say, it's like, doubt me. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I'll show you. And, you know, like I, I always looked at it that way for so long and like that hate and that anger like you know push my fire like to grow it's like you want to doubt me it's like i'll show you exactly how wrong you are but as i grew older i learned to kind of just forgive like those people and forgive myself for being angry i'm like i don't want to live this way i don't want to be motivated by hate and anger and now you know as of almost a year now happily married and i'm motivated by love you know motivated by love of life motivated just by my passion for possibility and boundless imagination for like what the world can be, what I can have and what I can do if I'm just accountable for my own life. Well, first of all, congratulations on being married almost a year now. I'm 12 years deep into marriage now. Um, but <laughs> it, it is definitely, thank you. It is definitely, uh, something that can drive you and motivate you. But, uh, all it took was for me to listen to your podcast, uh, Strength of the Pack, where I was like, wow, this guy just, he just has a different level of understanding. Like there should be no doubt on uh, you being able to share an experience and have it resonate at such a young age. Uh, so who do you think inspired you to become such a deep thinker and question things at such a young age? You know, like, it's a difficult question. It's just, I don't think anyone necessarily inspired me to become a deep thinker, but people inspired me to continue to pursue that route. So, like, ever since I was a child, I always had a lot of questions, and it would get to the point where it would be cumbersome, like, to my teachers, and, like, they're just like, all right, shut up. <laughs> like, like, we get it. Like, you have questions, and, you know, people just don't want to answer you anymore. Then there is Google that was introduced to me in the second grade. And that, that's how I started getting all the answers that I needed. And like, I, I just have an appreciation and a constant like 
buzzing curiosity in my mind for what goes on in the world. As for people that inspire me to follow that train of thought, I think of people like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Elon Musk, or Joe Rogan, and even like Andy Frisella. Like he's a deep thinker, like, and he's honest. So like for me, Arnold Schwarzenegger was a huge influence when I was young. I, I read his, you know, bodybuilding encyclopedia. I would listen to his interviews. One of my favorite interviews he ever did was with Tim Ferriss. He was like, call me whatever you want. <laughs> Governator Schnitzel, Arnold, I don't care. <laughs> like, you know, and I just, I love that personality. I love that confidence. And like, when you really look into Arnold's life, he was so much more than just like a bodybuilder. He was just a self-made man, came to the country with nothing, became the, one of the most famous bodybuilders in all of history. He's a household name. Everyone knows him. Everyone knows his accent. Everyone has his impersonation. You know, he became the governor of California. You know, it's just like Hollywood stardom. And he's an icon to, to American history. He's an icon. It's just, he just stands out because he's someone that questioned the world he was born into and saw the possibilities of what he could have. And, you know, Elon Musk is very much the same way. He's just constantly reimagining. He doesn't care if other people think he's crazy. He's like, it's like, yeah, he's like, I see it in my mind. So I'm going to, you know, put pen to paper and make it work. And then he's just such a creative genius to the point where he has to make uh, the boring company, which is like his fun company where he just makes his nonsensical ideas one of the first things he sold was his not a flamethrower, which was it was not a flamethrower on a technicality, but it operated in a similar manner. And he's like, yeah, yeah. It's like, if it was a flamethrower, I couldn't sell it, but, but it's not a flamethrower. So just make sure the branding's on point, you know, and he, and he did that. And, you know, like Joe Rogan, he's, he's an icon as well, just in the podcasting industry. And like he says all the time, his goal is not to be inspirational or anything like that, but that's not really for him to say. It's just like people find him inspirational because he works hard. He speaks the truth. People value his opinion, you know, and Andy Frisella very much the same. He, he drives me like insane with inspiration. Like I'll I'll turn him on, uh, like any of his podcasts, like now, now it's, uh, what is it? Real talk. I, I'm creating the name right now, but then, uh, Re- real was, AF. Yeah. Real is real AF. And then there was the motherfucking CEO and like those two podcasts, like when I'm running and just having him like yell in my ear, it's like, it's like listening to my own inner voice yelling at me. He's like, really? It's like, is that all you got? Like do more. It's no excuses. And you know, and I'm like, wow, like this is the exact kind of energy that I need in my life. And like, you know, like the expression that like the, the teacher will present himself and the student is ready. Like the beauty of the digital age is that you don't need a physical person in front of you to teach you the mindset that you need to be successful. Because all these people have podcasts, they have books, they have interviews, they have knowledge that they have shared in the world in one form or another that can help you develop. And, you know, just as easily as we can turn on the TV to watch Netflix, we can Google some inspirational interviews with some amazing people and just you know, gain some tidbits and knowledge and experience from them and try to apply it to our own lives. Very cool. Yeah. The, I mean, there's so many inspirational individuals out there and I, I appreciate that you, you know, shared some of those with us, but before I trip over my words, what do you hope to leave as inspiration behind or how do you, exp- how do you plan to make a difference um, in what you're doing. That that's always what's in my mind. 
It's just, how can I make a difference? And I realized that the way that I can make a difference through, like, if I want people to be inspired by my book, right? Like, I can write really, like, flowery sentences that sound great. And, like, those one-liners that are like, yeah, that hits me, right? But what I realized was is that if I can't draw inspiration from my own words and my own beliefs, how can I expect anyone else to draw inspiration from my words and my beliefs. So I have to become the embodiment of what I say and what I think I can be. And for me, the way that I can provide that value to the world is by holding myself accountable. Like every day I exercise. I don't care if it's raining outside. I don't care if it's snowing. Like I exercise. Like I have to do that for myself. It's a mandatory thing because I preach its importance in in my book. So therefore, I have to live by that standard for other people to appreciate and understand the importance of, you know, physical effort. I try to be accountable with just my, my finances, my shortcomings, and just, you know, my own personal setbacks in life, because how, how often do people fail and they fail all the time and we just don't realize it, but some people find finality in their failures and they think this is it. I did my best. I shot my shot and you know, that's it. You know, there's just no other opportunities on the table. And that's just not good enough. Like, to me, it's just that I failed so many times and so many different things. And, like, you know, I say that and, like, it, it could be funny because, like, I'm still only in my 20s. But, like, it, it doesn't matter. I, I still feel the weight of those failures. And I still feel, like, the stress of those failures. And I'm just like, is this it? And the answer should always be no. It's like you're never too old to start a new venture. You know, like you never, you, like there, there's always time to develop yourself. Like you got to find it because once you stop developing, like to me, that's the real death. It's like, once you stop working on yourself, that's death because like we are supposed to be in constant motion. Like our bodies are machines, our minds are machines and we have to use them. Otherwise they just depreciate and lose all their value. Absolutely. And you know what? There's so many people that that buy into that finality of failure. And that is unfortunate. And I agree with you, you know, if you, if you aren't improving, you're dying. Like that's just, you know, the way, you know, I see life is you've got to always be trying something new, doing something different, trying to become a better person than you were the day before. Uh, Speaking of, you know, the failures, what would you say has been your biggest failure in going out on your own, becoming a a sponsored athlete, becoming an author, a podcast host? And then what did you learn from that failure? Yeah, like constant failures all the time, like with with working out, like, all right, maybe maybe like I have to think about this. So perhaps the, the biggest, most public failure that I've had rather than the quiet personal ones that like people don't really see was I I used to debate. Right. And I went to this conference and I I prepared for an entire year to go to this conference and debate in front of a room of like 300 people to lawyers for fun. Cause that's what I think is fun. And uh, we, I got up there with my team and one member of my team wasn't prepared and got scared. And pretended to have laryngitis so she couldn't talk, right? And she just started speaking with the frog voice when we were up there to try to excuse herself from presenting, right? And we just got annihilated by the other team because we didn't have the parts. And it's just, you know, I was so frustrated with my team member 
because she didn't perform her part. But then in reflection years throughout the year, what I realized was, is that it's my fault. It's not her fault that we failed. It's like, I'm, I was the leader and I should have done a better job to make sure we were all prepared. And like, there were things that I could have done better to make sure that we succeeded. And, you know, like taking, swallowing that pill was hard. So for the next year, I worked as hard as I could. Like I was still like in school at the time and like I had no one to get me there. I didn't have a license. And like I had a, I just walked five miles at night to go to school and like just prepare for this moment. Cause that's the only thing I could think about was just winning. And after a year of preparation, I went back and I became the best debater in the state. I had the best uh, entire law firm in the state. And then I had, I was also like an exemplar for the program for my debating skills. And just like that failure for one year, just burned <laughs> in my mind for a year. And I was just like, I know I'm capable of more. And even though failing in front of 300 people sucks, it's like, it's just, it's not the end, you know, like you kind of have to own the humiliation, but then more on like the personal quiet failures. It's just that I lived in poverty to basically a year ago when I got married because I was the patriarch of my family. Like I did everything like to make sure we survived. Like my mom worked really hard, but right out of college, I was already making more money. And I was like at the low end of the spectrum, you know, like on the totem pole of like entry level. And I had a younger brother who was going to college and he was still trying to figure out his own path. And like, I've always kind of had more of a parental relationship than a sibling relationship with my younger brother. And I had to be the guiding force and I had to be, you know, the pillar for my family. And if I crumbled, everyone else would have crumbled too. But every day, like the pillar was just cracking because I was working so hard. I was working like 11 hours a day in my office job. And I just, just grinding it out, grinding it out so we could pay the bills on time. And at the end of everything, I was just left with $4 a month. That's all I had left to me every single time. There was no, you know, going to Marshall's, eating out at McDonald's or like any of that. Like it was all dedicated focus and like the things that I was not willing to compromise on, even though I was broke, was the gym and a basic meal plan. Like I would only spend 30 to $40 a week on a meal plan. I went as lean as possible, but I'm a good shopper because that's what being like in poverty basically teaches you, it teaches you how to be frugal or it teaches you how to whine. You know, it's like I could have complained and said, I, I didn't have enough. You know, I go, damn, I can't afford the yogurt this week. <laughs> you know, it's just like, do what you can with what you have and make the best of the situation around you. And that's always what I've done. And from doing that, just small, like these small little arbitrages, just taking advantage of these situational differences in order to reach some sort of profit for myself and my own life has finally brought me to the position that I'm in now. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, there's actually a balance in my bank account. Like, that's weird. Like I have, I have savings. Like I have an investment account. Like that's weird. Like, you know, like this is all new to me. And that, that was the failure that ate away at me my whole life. Just being poor, like just not having more. But I realized was that you have to endure. You have to be ready to endure the pain of not having the things you want, even though you think about it all the time. 
And you just have to endure that hardship on your own, like to the best of your ability and persevere past it. Because once your mindset crumbles, that's the real failure. That is the true defeat. So my mindset was the strongest thing that I have in me. And I wasn't willing to let that concede to anyone else's beliefs, but my own, because I saw the path. I didn't need them to tell it to me. And by sticking to those, you know, those thoughts and those beliefs, I was finally able to arbitrage myself and get out, position myself for success. And now, like, I actually feel like I have my feet on the ground. I can start running. Like, I, I tell my friends a lot. I'm like, in life, you know, a lot of people are taking that proverbial half-court shot at success, you know? And sometimes you got to go for the layup, you know? Just do the layup. But then I said, for me, doing that layup felt like I was crawling to that layup with ankle, you know, ankle weights around me. And I'm just crawling, crawling towards that opportunity. And when I finally got my shot, I took it and I made it. And now here I am. And I'm just, you know, nowhere near done, like completely in the process, just building, 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 because especially with the digital age now, it's just that you see it all the time. It's possible. Like those are the words I live by. I'm like, it is possible. Like anything you can put your mind to is possible if you're willing to be accountable. And I am because I'm just not satisfied with average. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that. I love how you related the, uh, the layup. I mean, the fundamentals of basketball is what they teach you. You know, they don't, you don't go in there and first thing it's like, all right, let's practice our Steph Curry half court shots. You know, that's just not how it goes. They teach you the fundamentals, you know, the dribbling, the the layups, the free throws, all those things that seem so boring, but that's what really makes it, you know, stick through, throughout your basketball career, you know, using the basketball terms, but you also hit on another thing, accountability. You mentioned that multiple times, not necessarily in words, but, you know, talking about the debate, you were holding yourself to a higher accountability because a teammate failed and not a lot of people are willing to do that. And I think that's where you are really going to make a difference in your own life is holding yourself accountable to whatever it may be. And really it it comes down to, I think the, the discipline that you have. Um, so I want to touch on that a little bit. What in your podcast, you've talked a little bit about the difference between discipline and motivation. Can you, uh, speak to that a little bit? Sure. So, you know, the problem is, is that everyone loves being motivated, right? Like it feels good. You feel great. You get that little endorphin rush and you're like, wow, you know, I just watched that, that great movie and I saw him become all the things that I want to become through hard work and effort. Wow. I'm going to go to the gym like next Monday or something. And like, it just, it never happens. I'm like, like motivation is a chemical reaction that has a very short half-life, right? Like you can rely on that radioactive energy and just burn it up, you know, burn white hot. And just for a few minutes, like you feel like the world is yours, but it burns out in a few seconds. Like you're left with nothing. If you're relying on motivation to pursue your goals, like you'll always fall short. Like you'll never be where you want to be. I believe in discipline and discipline involves building the dam, getting that hydroelectric energy. It takes time to build a dam, but 
when it's done, you could constantly yield a steady flow of energy throughout your life. And like some may argue, like using my metaphor, it's that, uh, you know, radioactive energy is like, that's a lot of energy. It's like, you sure you really want to be leaving that off to the side? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'd rather draw energy from a sustainable source in my life that I know is there and I know is not going to contaminate me in any sort of way or leave me uh, radioactive. <laughs> like, you know, like I'd rather just be active instead of radioactive. So to me, it's just drawing from discipline really starts with fortifying your mind, right? Because a lot of us, especially now, we're more enabled to say, I can't. We're more enabled to be like, I can't do this because of this. Like, I can't do this because of that. Like, I feel terms like anxiety and depression get a little abused, especially in my generation. It's just not everyone has clinical depression. Not everyone has clinical anxiety. And if you did have it, I'm sure you wouldn't be wearing it like a badge of honor as to why you never tried. So where it comes is discipline. You have to acknowledge what you want and acknowledge that it's going to take steps to get there. You are not a failure for not having what you want. <laughs> and that, that's something that a lot of people kind of do in their mind. They write off the possibility of them ever being successful because they don't have the things they want. Or they value really like shallow things. Like, like when they envision success in their lives, it's, I want to be a millionaire. Like I want to have a Lamborghini. And like what I say is like shallow dreams have shallow graves. Like they die quick just with motivation. So with discipline, you have to fortify your mind. And like the scariest part of that is that it requires you to be introspective. It requires you to sit down with yourself and ask yourself, who am I? What do I really want to do? And how do I do it? And once you're able to answer those questions within yourself and like the how do I do it is probably the most important part because we, we all see the thing we want, but we're just... How do you do it? Because you can. It is possible. It may not happen in a year. It may not happen in two. It may happen in five or ten. But if you, you're able to set goals and then set achievable smaller goals while we're working to that goal, you will eventually succeed. So with discipline, it comes down to having confidence in yourself, in your mind saying, like, I'm a work in process. Other people may not understand what I'm doing, but I don't need them to. When other people try to douse my fire inside of me and tell me that I'm not good enough or I don't know what I'm talking about and I, I shouldn't be doing this because of this, I'm just not going to listen to them. Just put in your earbuds, ignore them and focus on your work, focus on your hustle, do your grind and just go. Because with discipline, you're really not worried about the opinions of other people because they don't understand the significance of your dreams to you. You know, they only understand it from an outside perspective. And the thing is that a lot of people in general just don't understand what opportunities are really out there if you go looking for them. Like you can achieve something that'll blow the minds of all your friends and family and think they'll think, wow, he, he did it. And they, they suddenly switched to your team. Whereas like a few months before, they're all like, oh, you never have a chance. Like you're just a bum. Like you're trying to cheat the system because you don't want to work a real job. Like, you know, you want to own a business. And it's just like, you really just can't concern yourself with those people. Like it hurts. It hurts when, when your people closest to you don't believe in you. But the only person closer than them is you. It's yourself. So what really matters is, is do you believe in you? And you should. 
like, like at it, at its core, like for me, that's always kind of what kept me alive is that I never, I, in the past, I put my faith in other people before my own. And I believed what they told me like to a degree more than myself. And one day I just had enough and I was like, I'm done. I'm done letting you define me. I want to show you who I really am. And the best way to show someone who you really are is just work as hard as you can, live to your words, and do more than you say. That's very cool. So I I love that you, you know, as we're talking, you talk about the fact that even when you're working 11, 12 hours a day, you are just barely scraping that poverty line you still stayed consistent with working out. And I think that perfectly relates to the discipline versus motivation because, I mean, if you, in your space of being involved in fitness and working out, discipline always wins out over motivation in that regard because one day you're motivated, hey, I'm going to accomplish this goal, I'm going to lose this weight, I'm going to build this muscle, and it lasts a couple of days, but you consistently going no matter what has now led you to be in a position where you're a sponsored athlete for a fitness company. I mean, that's, that's awesome that that discipline got you to that point. This is, this has honestly been a super awesome, super deep conversation that you're, that I don't usually get to this level on this podcast. So this is very cool that you are you know, bearing your soul on the podcast in a way. Um, hey, I'm happy to share, you know, it's just, what's the point if I'm not going to be honest? Right. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you've had, um, you're a little bit behind me in terms of how many guests you've had on your podcast. Have you had any of those things that kind of blown you away with guests that you've interviewed? Honestly, one of my, uh, perhaps my first guest uh, was Nicholas Calabro. It was, it was kind of funny because me and him had both gone to college together and we never spoke to each other, like not once, right? And never crossed paths. Like I, I seen him, but nothing, nothing significant, no friendship. And one day he reached out to me because he was listening to a different podcast I had at a point and he was like, this is awesome. He's like, I love this. And he's like, I really connected with this. He's like, can, can we get a beer? Like, can we just talk? And, you know, we got a beer. We talked about life. And he did a lot of the same things that I did because he went to school for accounting just like me. And within a year, he was like, I fucking hate this. He's like, I hate working like this because in public accounting, unlike private accounting, you're working 90 to 100 hours a week in your busy season. You're salaried, so you're only getting paid 40 hours of work. And, you know, like, I was talking to some people the other day, and they were like, yeah, it's like, I, I, I left public accounting because, you know, like, I just couldn't work to 2 a.m. I'm like, yeah, the workload sucks. She's like, it wasn't so much the workload, it was just working to 2 a.m. I'm like, yeah, those things are, like, directly correlated, <laughs> like, work, working to 2 a.m. at the workload. And to me, it was just, it was exactly that. You know, so with him, he was, he was like, I have no passion for this. It's like, just cause I'm good at something doesn't mean I have to do it. So he took some time to really reflect on what he wanted. And fortunately for him, he had a good friend that believed in him and believed in the, the work that he did. 
And she gave him the opportunity to work at a photography firm just as a, a photographer. And he went back to school, got an MBA in marketing instead of going down the accounting route. And now he works full time as a photographer doing his own thing because he worked so hard when he was in the studio and that he impressed the people around him and they just kept giving him more work and they kept trying to teach him new things. And like he opened himself up to an experience by challenging where he was. And that's hard for a lot of people. Like, you know, just like we all, you know, when we think about college, when you're 17, 18, all you're thinking about how much money am I going to make? You know, it's like, that's what you look at. You look at the salaries. It's right there. Like not many people are thinking about life realistically. It's like, sure. It sounds great to be like, you look at one profession, you look at another and you're like, yeah, make it double. This is where I want to be. You know, it sounds great until you're living it. When you're there, it's just like, wow. If you can't draw any satisfaction from your work and the person making half as much as you is thrilled to go to work every day who really won and it's like that person won the person who's happy to like to be doing what they're doing because we neglect our mental health in pursuit of like monetary things like monetary rewards and that's what we've been conditioned to do from movies you know from books from like any story it's always like like when we see success like naturally we kind of attribute it to like being, being a millionaire, like, you know, like money ball, like making that the big short, you know, like making those crazy trades and then overnight, boom, you're a millionaire. And like, maybe like, that's not the wealth we should be seeking. Like, I think real wealth kind of starts with within. It's like valuing yourself, valuing what you're capable of and acknowledging what makes you happy. And that's what really impressed me about that guest because we didn't have a friendship before that day. And we, before we podcasted, we both went out, we did some photography together. He took some shots. I took some shots. He gave me some tips with his, with photography to help me improve. I showed him some little things that I knew. And it's just like together we, we built a friendship in a day because we understood like what drove the other person and what really gets me in a guest, like what really fires me up is that intuitive nature. It's just people that are curious. Those are the people that really just inspire the hell out of me. Very cool. Yeah. That's, you know, I've had a similar story where, you know, there's somebody that I, you know, we were on the same, same path, same group, and we just never really talked. And then once we did, you know, years down the road, it just clicked and we're like, this is, this is great. So I, I'm glad you can relate to that. And, um, you were able to connect with him and uh, be able to share your uh, uh, passion together of photography. Cause I know that's one of your passions as well. Um, so I don't want to take up too much of your time. I've been super inspired by this and I love this and you know, I'm going to turn this into discipline, but I want to ask you personal or business. What is it that excites you about the future? Just the, boundlessness of possibilities and the boundlessness of my imagination of what those possibilities can be. So for me, it's just, I just see everything that I want in the world and I understand that there is a path to get there. And as long as I'm willing to walk on my own path with my wife and together we're on the same team and we're working towards the same objectives, 
I know we're going to achieve it. Like we, all our friends, like they'll, they'll tell us like, it's like, Oh, you two are our goals, quote unquote, you know? And like, and like, you know, you guys like have your shit together, like versus like other people like in our, in our age group. And I'm like, yeah, we have our shit together. Like that is the number one thing. And you know, our relationship is successful because we communicate everything with each other. Like I, I tell her all the time, I'm like, I will die if I don't achieve my goals in this lifetime. I'm like, I want you to know that. <clears throat> and she, she's like, she's the exact same way. She's equally fired up as me to be successful in life. So together, what we imagine success as is just being able to do things we love. Like I want to write more books because I love connecting with people that way. Like when people send me a message that I don't even know who they are, And they're speaking to me like I'm a friend, you know, they're like, wow, like, thank you so much. Like for this, or like, this helped me with that. Like, that's the feeling I live for. Like, like that connection. Cause I always say it's like real human connection is always out there. And like what I try to communicate, even with my podcasts is strength of the pack. It's like, you are not alone, you know, together we are stronger. So I try to facilitate a space for where people who are entrepreneurial, people who are questioning the systems around them and where they fit into it can come together and share ideas and grow together. And, you know, like goals for the future, it's just, I want to eventually earn the right to have my own TED talk. I want to grow my audience so I'm able to reach more people, have a positive impact on as many people as possible. I want to achieve my own personal fitness goals and my own, like just little things. Like, like I love, uh, I have a personal love for fantasy as well, like fantasy and fiction. And like, I want to try my hand and writing that too, you know? And it's just like, why do I have to just be one thing? And like, the answer is, is that I don't. So together, me and her, like we want to achieve those things. She does a lot of the same things, fitness. She's a poet. She has her own podcast. We both want to travel together and, you know, like learn new languages, learn new things. Like I always say, I'll never be one of those, uh, those rich people that are just sad, you know, (laughs) because they have, they have nothing to do because I'm just endlessly curious. Like there's just so much culture, beauty, and just like mystery in the world that that's enough to keep my mind occupied. And everything is just a Google search away from going down a different rabbit hole of curiosity. Yeah, you definitely have a, a bright future ahead of you. And, you know, I, I want to say thank you for taking time out of your day to talk to me. Where is a good place for people to connect with you online? Uh, the best place would definitely be on my Instagram. It'd be at Ethan D. Brayu and at Strength of the Pack Pod. You can check out my website, ethandbrady.com, to see some of the other things that I make. Uh, if you want to find my book, it is The Ink of My Soul and The Fire in My Bones. It's on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. And my podcast is on all major platforms, Strength of the Pack. So any of those mediums would be a great way to reach me. Perfect. I'll make sure to include links to those in the show description. But again, thank you, Ethan. And I, I know I've gotten a ton of value out of this. So no, I know my audience has gotten a ton of value out of this. So I encourage you all to get out there and hustle the day. Hey, Hustle Nation. Thank you for listening to the podcast all the way through. Super appreciative of that. I know you've gotten a lot of value out of this and I want to continue providing the value. So I've created a free Facebook group called Hustle the Day 
really easy to remember if you've listened to this podcast. Anyway, go check it out on Facebook. Great community of people just like you that are trying to escape the nine to five, get that side hustle to replace their main income. You know, whatever the case may be, you've got a great support group there. Go check it out. I really appreciate it. You all have a great one.